0: Welcome to the Productivity Podcast, joined today by Peter Love, who has one of the the longest job titles to date. Peter is the Global Service Line Lead for Retail Performance at Ipsos. Afternoon, Peter. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. A a long job title there, so it'd be good if you can give the listeners some background on on what you do at Ipsos and, and what you've done before that.
1: Yes, definitely can. So let me just give you a bit of a background to Ipsos for those listening. Ipsos is a market research company, a global market research company, operates in 90 plus countries and does things like political polling, uh, product testing, whole range of uh, market research activities, but also plays in the area of retail. So things like mystery shopping, customer experience and retail performance, which is around KPIs, so measuring traffic, conversion rate, etc. And that's the part of the business that I'm responsible for.
0: And before Ipsos, what what was life like?
1: Oh, many different uh, roles. So I worked for a major US uh, supercomputing company for 10 years, working in the professional services, integrating technology into Formula One uh, race teams, uh, military MOD work, um, automotive, uh, oil and gas. So did that for 10 years. And before that, I was in the uh, print industry with technology into the print industry.
0: So a, a varied background before you arrived at Ipsos?
1: Yes, but largely with a technology uh, undercurrent, but then how you apply that technology and get value from it.
0: Good. So with that in mind, and the, the kind of work that you do at Ipsos from the, the counting piece, clearly strange times at the moment, things starting to get back to some form of normality, but there's this whole social distancing piece that's still in play and potentially will be in play for who knows how long. So at Ipsos, how have you been thinking about that and what things have you started to put into place to help your customers and the retail market in general in terms of thought leadership?
1: Yeah, it's incredibly different times from, uh, say, three or four months ago. And the good news is across the world with the clients that we work with, we are seeing certain markets open up and activity start to uh, climb again. However, um, things are a new norm and and things are changing. And, you know, just looking at the guidance that's come out from uh, the BRC, which is also supported by the Union of Shop Distributive Distributive and Allied Workers uh, Union, Um, There's lots of guidance to getting stores open and establishing what will be the new norm. So clearly all of the new norm has to come with the uh, following target, which is safety and well-being of every retailer staff as a top priority. And we need to think about that. And there are all sorts of rules that have come about and, and been pushed out or guidance have been pushed out. However, I think as we look forward past day one of opening is how do we get this thought process established in everybody's day-to-day life, whether you're on the shop floor, whether you're a manager of a store, whether you're a head office, or even if you're a customer, how do you get that into your day-to-day life and, and make that the new norm? So. Obviously, what we've seen in supermarkets is we've seen the queues outside, the markings on the line. We've seen the plexiglass uh, go up. And so those are quite hard structured things. But I think what we need to think about is the behaviours and start to look at how people use space. So having somebody to manage the queues, is that really going to be something which is going to be maintained? Or is there a different way of doing it? Because, you know, we're all under pressure of costs, but we still need to manage how many people come into those store spaces. But then where do people go within the stores and how do they use those stores? So I think all of us need to think about how we put those structures in place, the cleaning of hands, etc. How can we sustain that and keep our stamina to be doing that, not only day one, but day thirty? day 90 so on and so forth and this could be something that runs for you know 12 months or more and we have to do this so we have to get processes and procedures in place that establish that
0: yeah i think it's interesting my personal experience to date is very the supermarkets because that's primarily the only place i've been to shop are very very well structured as you say entering the store payment leaving the store it does feel, and it's it's more the shoppers than the, the colleagues, it's a bit of a free-for-all in the middle. There is directional signage, there is the two metres apart currently. But if I'm walking down the meat aisle, I've had people cut across me to get something off the shelf and go back, people coming down the other way. So it's, I think, the education of the general public as well and how that works, because... There's that bit in the middle that I'm not seeing working currently, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. You know, this is because normally you talk about behavior change for your staff and, and the management, but now we're actually talking about it's got to be a behavior change across society, and that's a challenge. So how, within the retail space, do we manage that and, and assist? And that's kind of one of the things that Ipsos we've been thinking about in terms of, almost creating a a compliance audit for spaces so you can actually go in there and say okay this store does have the cleaning products they are using them in the right way Um, they do have the social distancing in there people are following the signage and moving around in in a constructive common way Um, They have managed the occupancy and it's very overt that they're managing that occupancy levels. And so from that, customers, shoppers should start to feel a level of confidence in that brand. I don't know whether you saw there was an article for one uh, major retail chain. And what they talked about was that they'd given the rules out. And I think the um, chain was using cleaning products for the trolleys. And they'd actually then given that to, to customers to clean their hands. So that was bleach and, and products like that. So we've got to be very careful that we issue these rules, but we then we get them embedded in those organisations and we get both staff and shoppers to actually play the same game.
0: Yeah, and I've been thinking this when I've been out shopping and it may sound a really fundamental thing to say. I don't know how many people know how long two meters is
1: absolutely yeah and people need help and guidance with that and that's i think the grocery chains have done a really good job in terms of they set the markings out on the floor and that's really been uh, helpful the challenge for all of us is as we move away from those linear lines that you effectively have in a grocery store how is that going to play out in the non-essential retailers. So let's say fashion. So fashion, you tend to have much more of a browse and you drift around. So we're going to have to think about changing the structure of those stores so we can actually move around those in a socially distanced manner.
0: And think you then add into the mix, I mean, we do a lot of work in coffee shops. That's really difficult to keep two meters apart, even in the if you think about when you last queued for a coffee. One, I said the word queue, so there's a queue which suggests you're quite close. Two, they make the coffee and then pass it to you, and then you go and sit down. If you drew a two-metre radius round yourself in that process, there would be very few people that could ever fit in a coffee shop in one ta- at one time.
1: Yes, and actually when you think outside the two-metre line – those units are generally quite small, so then you're going to, your queue is going to spill into the next queue. So we have to think about not only in the store but out of the store, and that needs to be to be managed. Again, from Ipsos's point of view, I think that's one of the things that we see. Our role is to look at that compliance and see how where each on-site facility is being managed um, and see if this is a place that you as a shopper would like to go to because you feel safe. And, and, you know, this is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Everybody's reverted to the fundamental thing at the bottom of the, at the triangle, which is, do I feel safe? And if I feel safe, I will go there. And that's the first thing that everybody needs to to look after right now.
0: Yeah. I think health and safety has always been high on everybody's agenda, hasn't it? Certainly within environments where you invite people in, I suspect it's absolutely head and shoulders above, even above cost as we go back. It's interesting in the other part of that conversation you talked about managing the queues. I think cost is going to be a really interesting dilemma for most organisations because there will be, I think, extra processes, whether that be cleaning, managing the queues, as you say, along with a really cautious eye on for those those retailers that have been closed, how they claw back some of the, the lost opportunity. But also if you think about what's coming, you've then got national living wage rise coming early next year. So there's a there's a mounting cost pressure to I suppose, I suppose, solve some of these problems by technology.
1: Yes. And I think we have to do some of this. Well, we have to do a lot of this, but you have to do it almost overtly. You can't do it subtly to gain confidence. So you've got to do it very overtly that you're actively managing it. And that takes some cost. And that's going to be the the balance dilemma that everybody has is I need to put all this extra effort into all these things to make people feel safe. At the same time, I'm struggling with how much I'm generating per square foot of retail space. So that's going to be the balance and looking for innovative ways of of doing this which don't drive up your costs which actually help you manage that cost level down is going to be key
0: so some of some of the cool stuff we've looked at with you before is the facial profiling piece of software that you've got
1: yeah and we've looked at that also because we think uh, as we come back to retail retail potentially will have changed so in the first wave of people coming back will it be the shielded community who come back to shop to shopping first probably not so actually you could have whole swathes of your previous demographics coming into a location now not returning for some period of time so now you might want to think about your your mix your product mix your uh, customer service mix being different for the next six to 12 months because you have a different portfolio of customers coming in the door and something like the shopper profiling is a a good technique because it works out in a gdpr compliant way what's the demographics what's the age what's the gender coming into that that space and then you can actually work out then what is your product mix etc that you need to have applied
0: yeah I'm, i'm fascinated by this kind of technology that that we're seeing so it can profile your age your gender i think it also does some sentiment stuff so kind of tells you how happy or or not that person might be but also the big flag that normally goes up with all this kind of stuff is the whole gdpr thing of well are you taking a picture of me are you storing my data and i think you you guys have managed to get around all that
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say we got around it. We've uh, uh, applied the law and we we are compliant with the law. Um, So what we do is we've profiled the people. So what we do is we measure your eyes, your nose, your mouth and your head size. And by comparing those metrics with a known database of faces, we can say Simon is approximately uh, 40 years of age. Um, he is a male and that's what we actually capture is your age and, and that's in a band and your gender and your emotional state at that given moment in time. But it's only a measure of those to say you're in this band. One person is in this band. It's not that we know it's Simon, hello, who's coming and we don't know that you return. So that's the difference between profiling and recognition. So recognition would record your face and that would be require you to buy into that so for gdpr so we're just measuring your face and that goes into the database
0: if it thinks i'm 40 i'm delighted i mean i'm I'm sold i've
1: I've dropped a couple
0: of years brilliant i was trying to be polite (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm sure i'm sure it works the other way as well but uh, no i'm on i'm on the winning side then yeah so some of those metrics could be really interesting and I suppose thinking forward even if it started to be able to look at temperature for example you start to build in all the things that uh, people are worried about at the moment so people arriving at an airport with a high temperature for example
1: yes. yeah yeah obviously that system isn't about temperature so it's about building up the demographic model so that you can actually uh, change a product offering but yes there's certainly there if you go to china every person entering into a location is now measured for temperature Um, whether that then rolls out across uk and the rest of europe time will tell but certainly that is one one thing that could uh, certainly start to to happen
0: and in the the other bits of thinking you've been doing about changes in shopper behavior and patterns are there any other thoughts or directional bits of insight that you'd like to share
1: yeah as i said i think um, we will see a different demographic coming into stores and that's uh, important that we all need to take consideration for that Um, there certainly will be a move unfortunately or depending on what side of the fence you are in in terms of to online but we're also expecting that there will be some level of gratification in the first wave people want to go and buy things and be out and experience retail in a new way when we return. So we have all been maybe taking for granted retail up until the COVID-19 situation. So what we're expecting is that there will be some level of return to retail and appreciate retail bricks and mortar for what it was, the experience, and there'll be some level of gratification goes on there
0: fascinating well let's hope all that pent up frustration of people getting out and spending um, puts the retailers back in a good place because we all we all like shopping whether it's online or in retail stores and we'd be lost without them so hopefully that comes true so everybody that comes on the podcast we're asking a, a the same question too and it is around business advice so what's the best bit of business advice you've ever been given
1: well wow. That's a big question. (laughs) (laughs) I can always remember the uh, advice of cash is king. And that was something that, you know, was drummed in at uh, university and and all of those good times. And at the time you thought, ah, you know, this is one of those cliche statements that comes out. I guess never has a true word been spoken in these times. So looking after the business... Uh, through cash management has become critical uh, and I think I would uh, take that as one of the best pieces of advice is as we come through this time.
0: No that's that's good and I think as we've seen pre pre-COvid with those organizations that unfortunately aren't around anymore it's never it's never physical property or stock that causes the problem. it's always cash and cash flow so strange times but good advice good advice so if if people want to find out more about you and and ipsos peter you are on linkedin
1: absolutely so just please reach out to me on linkedin or go to our website ipsos-retailperformance.com perfect
0: brilliant i've enjoyed catching up some uh, interesting thought leadership there in these strange times and say anybody that wants any more info then please reach out to peter via linkedin or the website Thanks for your time Peter.
1: Thank you. Thanks thanks a lot. Bye.